You're listening to Fight in Progress. With your hosts and stress coaches, founder of Under the Shield, Susan Simmons, and TomTheBomb.com. Fight in Progress grapples with the internal and external struggles in the daily lives of our men and women in law enforcement, the armed forces, and first responders. Tackling the tough topics and supporting those who support us. We hear you, and we're here for you. Welcome to Under the Shield Presents Fight in Progress with Susan Simmons as our hmm, fearless leader. Fearless leader, yes. For the moment. <laughs> and I guess we're now at, we've passed Susan's birthday. That's right. You missed it. You missed it, buddy. That was So awesome. we're episode 63. Wow. I'm almost there, though. A few more weeks. Yeah, it's right around the corner, it right? It's right around the corner. Trust me, after the last 10 days I had, I feel like it's right around the corner for me, too. Yeah, yeah. I, you get no sympathy here whatsoever when y'all do stupid stuff. So if any of you listeners have tried paramotoring, yeah. oh, it's such a blast. Don't it's so much fun. Don't listen to Tom. If you haven't tried it, think about it. It's it's fun. But definitely go get instruction because you'll kill yourself if you don't. Spouses, if your <laughs> loved one wants to do that, up their life insurance. It's the best advice I got for you. Yeah, and last week your wife almost took over your spot. I well, was... she was really nervous about doing it ahead of time. She wanted to have information about the guest, and she's like, I hope I don't sound stupid. I said, you'll be Great. fine, yeah. No, we were honored to have Mrs. TomTheBomb.com, <laughs> and, you know, you may lose your position. Hey, if she wants to take it over. Misbehave and watch this. We'll have a whole new co-host. <laughs> it's not like I haven't had a few. That's right. So I'm good at changing. I'm not. I just have to make it the longest first, and then you can You're do. You're probably there. Already? Yeah, I don't know how many Ace did. We'll have to go back and look and see how many Ace did and how many Chris did yeah. and all that stuff. But anyway, but we've had a fun week here in wonderful, beautiful Arizona with our 80-degree days for all you people up north where it's cold yeah. and icy freezing. and freezing. Yeah, it's been beautiful here. It has been. It's yes. been very nice. But it's typical Arizona winter. Yeah. So. And we have 10. Uh, I'm okay with it. <laughs> <laughs> You know, I noticed you were real willing to jump on a plane and come all the way across the country. I bet he wouldn't have in August. Yeah, I, I, well, I wouldn't ask you to come in August. No, that's true. That's true. <laughs> but we're excited. We have 10 new stress coaches now at Under the Shield. Yes. Um, expanding out even more around at, the country. And after last week's podcast, we're going to need those. Yeah. Because of the news. Yes, right? absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> Tom and I have another meeting with. We're picking up 3,000 police and fire here just in the state of Arizona. Right. So, uh, I don't know, Mike may be leaving New Jersey and moving out here <laughs> sooner than later rather than later. Maybe That's we can right. talk him into this <laughs> when he goes back home and there's I have snow. And... One year left, so we'll see what happens. <laughs> okay, we can start looking yeah. for houses and stuff yeah, for him now. Right. Yeah, you have to come out and visit some. Well, maybe in a year when you retire, the housing market will start. Going back down to, to normal. Down. Yeah, it's pretty, yeah, pretty it's outrageous. Kind of inflated here. and crazy. A little but. bit, a little bit. But, yeah. but we're honored to have you on it. Well, first, welcome to the Under the Shield family as a stress coach. Thank you for having me. This is great. Well, we're excited to to have you on board and hopefully uh, broadening the horizons in New Jersey and back on the northeast side of the country and. We'll migrate down a little farther south, maybe. <laughs> I don't know. Who knows where we're going next. And, uh, but we're really honored to have you on the podcast too. So tell us a little bit about you. So my name is Mike. I'm from New Jersey, as we've uh, just said. I've been a police officer now for 19 years. I'm getting ready to enter my 20th and I'm also a Navy vet. So I was able to purchase some of my military time back, which is going to allow me to retire a little bit early. So yeah, he looks a little young, <laughs> but then again, everybody looks young to me. <laughs> I'm always the oldest person in the room. How does that happen? But you never say that I look younger than you. No, you don't. <laughs> no, I never. No, most of y'all don't look younger than me, but you are. It's yeah, the reality uh, yeah. of it. And look, he's done this 19 years. He's got military and he can walk and talk at the same time. We hit, We saw no issues here. It's true. But I'm not patting my head as we do that. Well, that's true. <laughs> and we don't know if you can chew gum while you're doing all that, too. Oh, we didn't yeah, test that. That's so. true. That's true. <laughs> so tell us a little bit about your background, the stuff you've done, the things you've handled, and if you want to go into how you and I met and what kind of drew you to Under the Shields, all, all about you right now. Yeah, absolutely. So um, 
You said I've been doing uh, law enforcement for 19 years. I'm with a uh, suburban town in New Jersey. Um, married. I have uh, four beautiful kids. Yes, you do. Uh, and that was a the YouTube video. Yeah, yes, it's amazing. <laughs> Thank you. Um, I'm on my second marriage, I should say. So I, I have uh, two boys from my first marriage. I, I remarried a few years back. Uh, I have a beautiful daughter with uh, my wife, and uh, she has a beautiful daughter, which, you know, my stepdaughter, she's beautiful as well. Um, grew up from a uh, separated family. Uh, mom and dad divorced when I was young. New Jersey's home, born and raised there? No, born and raised in Ohio. Oh. Mm-hmm. Uh, born and raised in Ohio. Could be related. I could was be. from Ohio. Yeah, could yeah. be. <laughs> I'm sure there's a connection. Y'all look a lot alike. Absolutely. <laughs> well, we just said I would look young. <laughs> he could oh. be your father. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> or your grandfather. I don't know. We'll see. Uh, so life brought me down to Florida after that. I went into the Navy from Florida. Um, what was your job? I was a gunner's mate. So I was a five inch gun tech on the destroyer. And uh, so I got into the electronics, pneumatics, all those good things. Sounds fun. Yeah. Was, uh, yeah. Did you get to shoot those big guns? Only in training. Uh, Only in training. But yeah, it was fun. Darn. I bet. Uh, yeah. So the big guns on the front of the destroyers, yeah. uh, the five inch 54s, that's what I did. It was also a small arms uh, armor. So, you know, the, anything from the 45s up to the 50 cals, we maintain those. So you're telling me there's something out there other than a grenade launcher I haven't shot yet. Oh, yeah. There's a lot of things <laughs> out there I haven't shot yet. Well, yeah, you don't know what all I've shot. No, man. I'm saying what I haven't shot. <laughs> but, yeah, this thing on the front of this little boat sounds like that might be something I need to try sometime, that, too. That could be fun. Uh, well, first, we have to say that in the Navy, there are no boats. It's a ship. I call it a boat, but whatever. Yeah. <laughs> That was my way of trying to make it seem smaller that maybe somebody would go, sure, let's get her out there. Um, yeah, so um, Navy, I was gunner's mate in the Navy, um, went out to the Mediterranean through the Caribbean, I was an East Coast sailor. Um, met my ex-wife down in Florida. She was going to school at the time. I was getting out. She was finishing school, in which she was originally from New Jersey, which led me to New Jersey. Ah, oh, that's how we get up north. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Um was with her for uh, 10 years. Like I said, we had uh, two boys. Um, that didn't work out. That um, happens. Yeah. One of the stresses with the uh, sure. law enforcement family. Right. Um, What's the saying? You're not a real cop. Do you have at least two divorces? <laughs> <laughs> Which is really sad. <laughs> I don't think we, we, somehow we do need to modify these standards we've right, had for yeah. too many years. Yeah. We want to set the bar a little bit higher. Maybe. Yeah. Yeah. Um, from there, we just, you know, we got, I met uh, my current wife. We had a daughter together. Um, when did you become the officer? When did you leave the Navy, and how did that? So I, I served 93 to 98. So I got out of the Navy in 1998. I got into law enforcement in 2002. Any family history of people my being fa- in law My father. My father's oh. a retired law enforcement officer. Out of He started in Ohio. He finished up his career down in Florida. Okay. Um, that was also my Florida tie. Mm-hmm. Um, so... Yeah, that was, uh, you know, I was the first, well, my grandfather was in the army, I want to say. Um, but outside of that, I was one of the, you know, first military people in the family. It was like my son. There you go. Yeah. I, I knew I didn't have it for college. Like the college wasn't in my, uh, my scope. So <laughs> I, I knew it was, I either, relate. <laughs> it was either fast food industry. I wish industry. I could relate. I'm still paying for part of my time. So. It was fast food industry or the military. And I, I knew that there was something else out there for me other than, you know, the fast food industry. So I wanted to, uh, you know, get into something. And I knew starting that route, you know, mm-hmm. it would open up some opportunities for me in, later on in life. So Did you have a lifetime vision as a little boy being a cop like that? Uh, you know, with, with, you know, dad, you know, growing up, you know, watching him go out to work and seeing, you know, the the joy he had in, in like, it was, you know, obviously a different time then yeah. where, you know, you, yeah, you know. The camaraderie was big too. I would assume in Ohio, like so many places that there were family gatherings and stuff between officers and. Well, with my, my dad left when I was young. So um, not, not by any, you know, reason for his own. We, this is a, a, an experience, one of the, you know, first traumatic things that you probably see is, uh, you know, being carried down the steps by fi- firefighters when you're a young age. Um, my dad was involved in an incident out where in Ohio and, uh, our house got firebombed. Wow. Oh, wow. So, you know, one of the first things that I can remember is 
you know, firefighter carry me down the steps at a young age. Um, but he didn't want to become a firefighter. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, uh, no offense, firefighter. Yeah, no, just, it's just usually that's yeah. the story you hear. Yeah. So, yeah, that, that could have, we could have taken a different path on that, but we'll, yeah. we'll say professional, right? <laughs> so, so that's one of the, you know, so shortly after that, it was, you know, there was, I guess, contracts, maybe we'll say. So, you know, he ended up leaving. Uh, you know, he went down to Florida and started a new career down there. And, um, yeah, so that was. Yeah, I can relate. Didn't have it firebombed, but right. just had the kids. Yeah. <laughs> kind of have to change their lifestyle a little bit, but. So, uh, yeah, that, that, you know, yeah, so that was the Florida tie there. And, um, growing up in law enforcement family, you know, and then my senior in high school was when I moved down to Florida, I wasn't doing so good in school. So, uh, you know, make sure I stayed on the right path, you know, shut me down to dad for a little bit and mm -hmm. see if you can straighten me out a bit. The cop, the cop straightened <laughs> out his child. No, <laughs> no, I so, don't know what you're talking about. And, you know, even then, you know, he was, he worked midnights most that I can remember. And, um, so, you know, still watch, you know, watch before I, you know, go to bed, seeing him suiting up and going to work. And that's what he enjoyed. That was, I don't know if he enjoyed it at the time, but you know, that was, <laughs> it, it looked to me like that's what he enjoyed and that looked like his passion. And that's what, it, you know, I wanted that. Sure. Um, then, you know, coming out of the military, you know, you still have that, you know, that feel like you want to do something for your country, even though you're not really yes. wanting to be in the military anymore. And it's, it was an easy, I felt like it was an easy transition for me and gave me a lot of skills to, to go into that field. Sure. Sure. Um, so yeah, uh, I was actually, I was telling this story uh, last night at dinner, but I wasn't actually going to be a cop when I first got out. I was, you know, my wife was more in the, uh, she was in the computer industry. Mm -hmm. So I was, and with the electronics and pneumatics and things like that with the five inch guns, I was going to be an engineer. I was studying to be an electrical mechanical engineer. Interesting. And, uh, it's got to the point, uh, I was actually, I was talking to my ex-wife and at, well, then fiance, and we were talking about life and everything. I was like, you know what? I don't think I want to be an engineer. I think I want to be a cop. <laughs> This Whoa. is like right before we're getting married. Whoa. She's like, Whoa. are you telling me this because you want to be a cop or are you telling me this because you don't want to get married? <laughs> had y'all had that conversation anywhere along the line that you knew well, she probably she, wouldn't be a fan of this? She knew that I, it was something that I've always wanted to do, but I told her, oh, it's okay. I think I'll, I'll be, I'll do the engineering. Until I get you railed in good. That's it. Yeah. <laughs> before you can cancel the invites. That's <laughs> right. So, uh, yeah, that's quite a a deviation from the plan yeah yeah she wasn't ready for that yeah initially but she was supportive Good. and um like i said you know we you know did 10 years mm -hmm. um and just you know at least life happens and you yes. know marriage suffers and right things yeah so then we wound up divorced right we were you know divorced for a little while and uh end up meeting my current wife, we had, uh, I don't even want to say a rocky roller coaster ride because uh, if it has a couple of turns, drops, and everything, I think we have a couple more to add to that. So. <laughs> I don't know a marriage that doesn't have those. I call them speed bumps, but you know, right. they can be little and low or they can be wide and high. And especially like, working the job and dating and getting. All that preparations for marriage. And, sure. Yeah. Yeah. Sure. So uh, the town that I work for is also the town I live in. Okay. So. Is that required? No, not at all. Okay. It's not. Um, it was, it just worked out that way. Um, she is from the, she went to high school in that town and everything. So she's familiar with that town. Her daughter was enrolled in that school district. So we didn't want to, you know, change anything that was, you know, her daughter was already going through. So we. Sure kept everything status quo for her now assume you're a patrol i am yeah working were y'all doing 12 hours then Is that... uh at the time we were doing 10 hour shifts okay we were doing four on three off okay and they were set days and then every like quarter we would switch those days so mm -hmm. if we were working sunday to wednesday or we work on wednesday through sunday so wednesday was always the turnaround day sure um did that for a few years i did afternoon shift so so and... what would that be what hours would that be then i, I want to say it was like one to 
no, it was three to one, mm -hmm. which would be the 10 hour. Right. So that's an interesting timeline there to me somehow. <laughs> I know not one o'clock. You always get held over. It's yeah, it, yeah. It's just a, and the 12 hour shifts now though, are they reasonable? Like six to six? Are they crazy hours? <laughs> My particular department, we do five to five is a day shift or okay. yep. And I'm an early in guy. So, uh, there's a couple of us come in at five o'clock and we get out at five and then the midnight guys, same thing. They're early in is five in the evening till, you know, five in the morning. So that's our turnover. The other, guy, the other guys start at seven. So then there's a seven to seven. So we have a little bit of a, a layover. Overlap, yeah. Yeah. Sure. Well, those are reasons. You know, I've heard departments where there's like three to three and you go, what? That just doesn't even make sense. Yeah. That screws up days and nights. Right. Yeah. But, okay. Why would you want to go to work at three in the morning? Well, I, I don't know, but the chiefs <laughs> didn't do it. Let's put yeah, it that exactly. way. <laughs> that was never their schedule. <laughs> and uh, we just went to the twelve-hour shifts two years ago. Really? This is our our second year working the uh, the twelves. And you know, because the research says ten-hour shifts are the healthiest. Believe I do remember hearing that. In the... Yes, and so uh, why why the change? I can't answer that question. I'm not above your pay grade. A little bit above. My Got it. And so, how do you like that? What is your how many days off you work? So we work the Pittman. So we we uh, it's a Pittman schedule thing. I've never heard. It of might it. be. I don't know what. Yeah, it is. So basically, it's uh, we work my particular schedule. It's going to be I work Monday, Tuesday. I'll be off Wednesday, Thursday, and then I work Friday, Saturday, Sunday. The following week, I'm off Monday, Tuesday. Work. Wednesday, Thursday, off the weekend. So it's every other weekend. So okay. everybody winds up getting a weekend off. Correct. Yeah. That's interesting. Like every two weeks. Basically. Right. Okay. Yeah. I can see that working for families, sort of. Yeah. I see some issues in the daytime stuff, the weekday stuff, but okay. Still a long shift, though. Yeah. It, it does. You know, and some, some of those days fly, and, you know, the yeah. other days... Drag is, it, drag is it 12 o'clock noon yet? <laughs> <laughs> what kind of stuff are y'all dealing with up there? You know, here, obviously, we're dealing with a lot of issues because of border stuff. Um, yes, people, there is a border crisis. <laughs> Just ask us in Arizona. We'll be happy yeah. to take you back. We'll be happy to take you down there and show it to you. <laughs> um, not that they aren't causing issues in other parts of the country, but what kind of stuff do you feel like y'all see up in your part of the world? That it's a little bit of a tricky question, just because of the general area where I'm working in. Like mm -hmm. I said, I'm in I'm in the suburbs, so you know, we ha we have it pretty decent. Okay. Um, when you get into the more of the the urban setting, you know, I think there's a little bit more of the um, some more of the civil rights things. Um, not that that's not an issue everywhere, but right. like, sure. you know, it's my areas. Pretty good with they that. They didn't want to defund y'all. <laughs> <laughs> well, we had a couple, uh, you know, protests in my town, sure. you know, things like that. But our, ours were, uh, they included us in their planning process, so we kind of had an idea of things that they were looking for and what they wanted from us. What we told them that this is what we should be doing for you for your protection, like you know, closing a couple of roadways down or things like that. Good. Okay, that's yeah. reasonable. Right. So you said it people. was, it was a. Actually, I have to. I do have to say, though, New Jersey during, you know, over the last couple of years, we we did pretty well with everything. You know, even in the the big cities. You know, I, yeah, you didn't hear much about. No. You know, it seemed to be more the Philadelphia's and that stuff. New York. Yeah. Yeah, that was a given. But part of that was probably because Rich Mack was up there, because <laughs> we know he started a lot of that stuff. Now these retired things will probably calm down. <laughs> Good old Rich. Yeah. <laughs> Gotta love him. <laughs> but I have to say, for you know, for the most part, New New Jersey we we got through mm -hmm. pretty good. Now over nineteen years, what have you always worked patrol? What other assignments have you done? I, I've always just been done patrol. Mm -hmm. Um I, for for a while I was I was asked to get into the uh detective role for a little bit. It just at that time it wasn't right for my family. Mm -hmm. Um the patrol schedule, uh even though it was working afternoons, it worked better for us for childcare. My wife at the, you know, at the time she was going through school. So she was going to school during the day. So I, I would stay home with our daughter sure. while she's in the school. And then we'd kind of do the flip flop, the flip flop. Yeah. Yeah. Sure. Sure. So when would you say 
you started to see changes in you? That's probably a better question for my wife. You know, but... <laughs> yeah, we should have her on here. We may have to have her on here. Um, I would probably, I would probably have to say maybe 2018-ish. I probably started feeling I was going out to bars a little bit more, um, kind of disassociated, not disassociated, but I kind of Disconnect. started doing my own thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, disconnect. Away from the family. And- yeah. Yeah, it just only because, you know, by the time I'm working afternoon shift, right, so I'm getting off at 1 o'clock, my family's already in bed, so what did I do? I went to the bar with a couple of other guys who got off at 1 o'clock, too, sure. and, you know, she's getting upset with me that I'm not going home and spending time with her, and sure. I was like, well, you're sleeping, so, you know. <laughs> <laughs> I'll come home and watch you sleep for a few hours, absolutely. But it, for her, it was, she just wanted to know that I was there and that's that it was, everything was okay, and, you know, Instead, we didn't really communicate that. Sure. And, you know, I think, again, this goes back to something we've talked about a lot, but it's educating spouses about this lifestyle. And it's not just them learning, but it's you learning about how they're feeling and their roles in this and stuff. Um, Because it never fails when we teach the class where you have the officer and the spouse. You know, I'll say something and you'll see them elbow, one of them elbow. And a few minutes later, I'll say something. Tom will say something, you'll see the elbow and back, you know. Yeah. It, it's an equal opportunity it sure is. type of training. And you're both learning because I don't think a lot of men, well, you've talked about it, Tom. You, it didn't really even register with you how much no. Tracy was really worrying, not that she's sitting up pacing, right? but just how much better she slept <laughs> yeah. after you retired. Exactly. So you started this paramotoring <laughs> BS. Now she's back at it again. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I think it's because we haven't all been taught how to communicate together. Again, y'all try to protect us. There are things we try to protect y'all from because of the type jobs you have. So we have to keep all this stuff at home running and don't want to upset you with any of it. And, you know, right around 2018 is when she graduated um, with her degree, too. So she's starting to get her independence. Yep. So, and then she's not, um, not that she ever really needed me as a, somebody to rely on, but sure. we just had her own things going. So, you know, she's doing her thing. She's, you know, getting ready for work in the morning. Her shift, she's starting early in the morning. So when she's getting up and her alarms are going off, I'm just kind of getting to bed. So there was this. <laughs> And a little <laughs> yeah. disconnection. That's always fun. And the kids are getting older. They are not needing you right. at the same level. Yeah, I just made sure that she was getting on the bus in the morning. And <laughs> then I was home alone for a period of time. And, you know, I was getting ready for work or whatever. And that was, so that was my, you know, that was my time to myself was, you know, getting after getting my daughter on the bus and mm-hmm. before I had to get to work. Sure. And, you know, like we were laughing and telling some of the guys out here because, a lot of officers that work out in this part of the world or in the southern part of the country um, don't have unions. It, you know, we have associations, we have right. FOP, even in the south there's PBA, but it's nothing like what it is up there for you guys. Yeah, New, New Jersey is uh, union strong. Yes. Uh, you know, we have, you know, we're primarily the PBA mm-hmm. up there. Is there an FOP? There is. It's element. It, yeah, there's some, some departments have FOP. It's still there. Do they tend to be more the retirees in the FOP? Uh, not, no, I, I don't want to misquote any of the union stuff, but I, there are still some of the um, municipalities who are FOP. And I think there was an association with, uh, I think Newark is still FOP. And um, you have to, So you have to pick one for your No, it's whichever individual, wh- whichever town is. So my town is a PBA town. So, that so no there, option for no, FOP. Correct. Okay. Yeah. All right. Because out here you can be, yeah, you can whatever well, you can, you can be find. FOP and your yeah, you can be all of the above. Yeah, yeah. okay. Yeah. And are you real involved? No, I, I mean, I, you know, obviously I'm, I'm a member. Mm-hmm. Um, just it again, it just kind of came down to uh, the family life. Like, you know, the, those guys who you know the PBA presence, they there's a lot of time Work. that that mm-hmm. is going into it, and I don't I don't feel like. It was fair to my guys for for me to do that because mm-hmm. I know I didn't have the time with my family and I, whatever time I did have, I know that I couldn't sacrifice my family time for that. You know. So to be a say a rep for PBA, you're still a work. Your job still full time is with your police department. Yeah, policing. And still this first. is on the side. Yeah. And are they given 
time away from their job to be able to rep and do the jobs the union requires? They have some conventions and things, so they do get some PBA time for that. Okay. Um, but then all, most of the, like all the negotiation stuff and everything that they go through with our contracts and things, that's all done either while they're working or they're coming in on their off time. Wow. It's tough. Yeah. <laughs> but, yeah. And so that's that's where I go. But like those, those guys who are on our board, you know, hats off to them because right. those are all. I don't. I don't have the time for that. And if I, I feel like I would be neglecting my guys if I if I tried to do that. Sure. Because I know that we ran into that whole mess here, at one time with full time presidents and stuff like right. at Phoenix and some of the larger ones and. Yeah, that, that didn't go over big. There was some big lawsuit or something, and it's hard enough for them out here to try to juggle all of it. There's a lot of responsibility. Yeah, it is. Got to be at hearings and everything that moves. Yeah, and, and you can't please everyone all the time. Heavens, no. It's no. a tough job. And, and there might be some of the bigger departments that those guys just do that full time. And just I only know from sure. you know, my local town. Sure, sure. Okay. So anyway, so you start drinking. I did. I, oh, I, I've always drank. I was, an, I was a sailor. Drink. Navy, that's so, uh, kind of given. Yeah, so, a few binge nights. Yeah. Once Isn't there in a, while? a phrase about drunken sailors? <laughs> there might be a song. There might be a song about that. Um, but I've always felt that it was something that was manageable for me. Um, you know, I, ne I never felt like it was a problem. Sure. And even leading up to when I knew I had a problem, I didn't have a problem. Of course not. <laughs> I never met a drunk that thought he had a problem. Yeah. Truthfully. Uh, yeah. So I actually. I went away to a, an alcohol rehab center down in Florida, uh, mm -hmm. FHE. Yep. Um, and I did that in December of 2020, which is how we ended up meeting. Yes. You, I, don't, I think you came in down in January of 21 or December of 2020, either way. It, yeah. Yeah. I can't remember. I, I've been in and out of there quite a few times. but. So at your peak, how much were you drinking? I would have to say that I was going through a handle of whiskey at least every two days. Wow. Uh, that's so financially it was uh, a yeah. lot. And, oh, you got uh, a raise after you stopped drinking, didn't I you? I sure did. I sure did. <laughs> Family can go on wow. vacations now. <laughs> go see Mickey Mouse. <laughs> um, how did it affect you, the alcohol? Were you a mean drunk, a happy drunk, or nobody really knew you were drunk? Again, I would have to say that I I was all the above. Okay. Because it would get into who's around me at the time. Okay. Um, what I was doing, um, am I with friends? Am I with coworkers? But I, I do know that I can definitely say that there were times where I was with people and they would say, they can just tell in my eyes that there was a shift and wherever. And that's when people knew it was like, okay, it's, it's time. Mm -hmm. hmm. Um, a lot of your friends doing the same stuff. That's how you could justify it. I, I would say, like I said, when we were working the, until one in the morning, Mm -hmm. There was a local restaurant that we would go to after work, and that was our debriefing, we'll say. Yeah. Right. <laughs> sure it was. Yeah. Choir that's what practice. We'll Choir. Yeah. <laughs> we can't use that term anymore. Yeah. That, 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 no, that's old, Tom. Sorry. <laughs> that's against the law. And uh, so, you know, and that's, you know, where my wife would, you know, she was like, I'd rather you be home. And so then I would go home, but then I would sit on the couch and I would mm -hmm. make my microwave popcorn and I'd have my my whiskey and, uh, you know, and then watching TV out in the living room rather than going to bed. And uh, I thought that because when we get off of work, we can't just go right to bed. Yeah. Right. Nobody gets off work from a bank at five right. o'clock and goes to bed at six. Yeah. <laughs> yeah when I was working um, swings or graveyard shift, my wife hated it because I would sit up and Mm -hmm. I'd watch all those stupid info commercials and be like, yeah, I'll buy that. <laughs> no, I would have didn't. stuff coming to the door. She'd be like, what did you buy today? <laughs> oh, jeez. <laughs> I, like, yeah. well, I just thought, I'll see if it's a piece of crap or not. And it all was. Oh, yeah, it was. And where is that stuff stored now? <laughs> That's, uh, in the trash. <laughs> <laughs> wow. I didn't take you for that kind of guy. Yeah. I just thought well, it'd be fun to see if it was. And no alcohol was involved in you doing no, this? Uh, no, it wasn't because I was drinking. I was just. Sitting up bored, thought, eh, I'll see if that's decent or not. So, in other words, you never get the under the shield checkbook <laughs> <laughs> or the debit card. <laughs> so, did you, at what point did you realize it was a problem? Did you know, realize that before you went to Florida? Oh, well, I would have to say that 
I had a, so my wife and I are separated mm -hmm. well, at the moment. Um, we're dating again. Yep. Um, but there was an event that happened that uh, had me move out of the house um, over the summer of 2020. Okay. Um, so I, that, at that point, that's why, I, you know, drinking definitely had a, an, an involvement with that. Mm -hmm. So like I said, you know, having moved move out of the house, but where I knew that it was a problem even after I moved that out of the house was that I had to lie about whether or not I was drinking. Yeah. To her. Sure. You know, she's like, are you drinking? No, no, no. Of course not. Not, not at the moment. It's not in my hand or my mouth. So. <laughs> yeah, well, no, it might've been, but because, you know, we're at different houses. So sure. you know, right. she's asked me, you know, perhaps. Sure. Did it increase after you moved out or you were pretty it consistent? It definitely did because I knew that the event that uh, led me to move out of the house was something that was not only uh, hurtful for her, mm -hmm. but it was something that I had a hard time living with, with myself as well. Cause it, I, yeah. I, w I was self-medicating because I was frustrated with myself. Sure. Mm -hmm. Sure. So yeah, the, the drinking definitely, it inc I w like I said, I was what I thought was a social drinker before I left the house, mm -hmm. um, you know, meeting friends, going out and things like that. But when <coughs> you're actually in your house and you're isolating and you're drinking as much as I was drinking. That's not very social. That, that, no. Yeah. 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 It's antisocial. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I was a social drinker in college too. <laughs> but that was like seven days a week, right. round the clock. Yeah, but I was I was always with people socially yeah. drinking. That makes it okay. It does. Yeah. Everybody else is doing it. I wasn't drinking nearly as much as they were, but it's not necessarily the barometer you need to use in college. So um, yeah, so I, re I recognized it was getting worse and worse and worse, and um, if I can get into the reason why sure. I ended up calling FHE. Sure. Um, so it was. December 11th and I was drinking, I got, I got off shift December 10th, started drinking. I got off at one o'clock in the morning. I was drinking until about three. I, I fell asleep on my couch. I didn't, I don't want to say I passed out on the couch cause I definitely fell asleep in the couch. I had a one bedroom apartment. However, I never wanted, because we were separated, mm -hmm. I never wanted that to be my house. Like I always thought that I was going to go home. So I always wanted to make this feel like, even though it was my house, I'm staying at a buddy's house. I'm sleeping on his couch and that was my way of saying that sure. this is temporary. This is temporary. Yeah. Sure. Um, so I fell asleep on the couch. I woke up at, we'll say five in the morning. So I only slept for like two, nine, I won't even say slept. I closed my eyes for two hours, <laughs> right? And I woke up and I couldn't go back to sleep. So I started drinking, you know, uh, some type of whiskey and diet soda. I'm sitting there drinking that for up until like noon. And my wife had called me because I had plans to go over to her house to decorate for Christmas. And uh, she calls me up, oh, nice as can be. She said, hey, you know, how was your diet? You know, blah, blah, blah. You're coming over, you know, help decorate for Christmas. And I even felt like, I felt, you know, the rage in my neck, like the heartbeat going up. And I'm like, why am I going to go over to your house and decorate for Christmas? You guys don't like me. You don't care about me. Like it was. You'd never expressed this or said these things. Not, I mean, maybe when you talk to her at some point, right. you know, if she, but as far as I can. But it wasn't recall, normal. It wasn't normal. Hmm. Yeah, it's, it's nothing like I, I never really, I'm not going to say I never had rage moments, but sure. like, I don't remember really vocalizing things like that. And, uh, we were going back and forth for a little while and she's like, you're drinking again. No, I'm not drinking. I <laughs> swear I'm <laughs> not drinking. Yeah. So, and you know, which uh, led me to uh, go to my gun safe. Mm. And it's a combination safe numbers, you know, computer button thing. And the numbers for it are really easy for me to know. Like I, I can up, down, back, forth. Like those are my numbers. Like anything you need to know, but that's my number and that's what it is. Sure. Um, I couldn't get in. I couldn't get into the safe. And, and that was frustrating me to no end. Like, well, I can't get into the safe. Like. I, and I'm like slowly hitting the numbers, making sure I'm not missing. I forgot to hit the uh, the pound or the star number Symbol. at the yeah. end. I, again, I, I have to look at, but I don't remember which one it was. But I couldn't get into the safe, and um, she had hung up on me. Now I I have to say, like I don't know if I was going to go through with it or not. Sure. But if I was going through that much trouble to get into it, I. Can only imagine. I can only that imagine that's probably what was gonna what was gonna happen. Yeah. 
Chris Farrar and I would call that a God moment <laughs> or a God thing. I've, yeah. I've definitely said that before. Yep. Uh, divine intervention. Yep. It's yep. God thing. And uh, as soon as I, and for the people who know me, know that my family has always like my boys are my thing, like my daughters, my like those, like for me to think in that moment that this is going to fix my problem. Yeah, like I, I couldn't imagine like them not having me. Sure, right. you know that sure. that was, and you had that moment of clarity, and you're like, oh. So I called my union delegate at the time, and I said, I need help. Is that a um, because of the strength of the union? Is that a real scary call to make like it would be out here i think for the most part but do you feel like notifying them they can protect you i i think with this particular guy knowing a little bit about because i i kind of hinted to him and i don't think he knows this but i hinted to him earlier that year like after the the my may incident mm-hmm. i kind of hinted to him i think i have a drinking problem and he's like, oh, you know, well, we got these programs, you know, if, if this is something you really wanted, you know, let me know and blah, blah, blah. So I kind of threw it at him then. I don't know if he knows or remembers or, you know, because. I got a friend that might have yeah. an issue. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah. 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 the wall and yeah. see what sticks. Yeah. 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 <laughs> so I think probably, so that would probably be my moment where I'm like, I'm losing control of my life. Yeah. And that's, you know, so when I talked to him that day, uh, and you know, I, I can remember that day I was talking to him as well. But um I, I, like I said, I, I called him and to answer your question, I, I think that it just offers a little bit of protection for you because if you go right to administration, mm-hmm. I, I, and, and especially in, in the, that moment that I was in, I think that would have not been good for me. Sure, <laughs> sure. Although it's supposed to be right. that you're protected under the Americans with Disabilities Act if you go ask for help before mm-hmm. they tell you you, you need, need to go right. ha- get help. Yeah. And I, I, I'm sure that, that, so, but it's But still, there's workarounds and, anyway. I mean, yeah, yeah. they but may not fire you for that, but. When, when you're in those moments, you don't want to like, do I want to take that chance? Like, right. is this going to happen yeah. or not? Sure. So I knew that, um, by reaching out for help through the union, I knew that, you know, there's ways that they can get you out on, uh, uh, I don't know, I don't want to use HIPAA, but on the some FMLA t- on, and yeah, all of that stuff. On a confidential reason why you're out and they don't, sure. work doesn't need to know where you're at, why you're there or whatever, just need to know that you're being taken care of. Sure. So <laughs> he tells me, he goes, do not call anybody. Shut up. I'm going to come to your house. I'm coming to you right now. Do not make any calls. Nice. What do I do? Oh, Lord. <laughs> Who do you call? I called my sergeant. No, you did I did. Because <laughs> I... <laughs> Don't do it. Watch do this. <laughs> so this particular sergeant that I work for, we, we, we're not friends. Right. I mean, you know, we're we're acquaintances at work. You know, we've worked together for years, but we don't have like that relationship where you can just, hey, what's going on? You know, it's, so I'm sure he's like looking at my phone like, why is he calling me? <laughs> but uh, not the funny part of this story, but because he was my sergeant, we were supposed to be off. Uh-huh. I called him and he was working because his schedule got changed for a, uh, he's on a SWAT team. So he was, his schedule got changed for training. And so I'm calling him. I'm like, you're the best supervisor I ever had. I, you know, I respect you and blah, blah, blah. He's like, what is wrong with you? <laughs> so what does he do? He and um, my Lieutenant show up at my house in uniform. Um, and the Lieutenant who showed up was my training officer. So like 19 years ago, you know, he, so these two guys who, you know, my Sergeant, I I do, I respect him, you know, to no end. And then you got the guy who trained me on this department (laughs) and they're, uh, right. (laughs) Yeah. Not one of your better moves, but okay. (laughs) Do you think they would have come to your house if you hadn't lived in the same city? That's a great question. I, I don't know the answer to that. I'm sure, I'm, I don't know if they particularly would have, but I know they probably would have sent a, town, a township out for mm-hmm. a welfare check. Sure. So, um, of course, they get there before my, the my delegate guy does. <laughs> oh, no. So my delegate walks in, and he goes, what did you do? <laughs> the opposite of like, what you told me to do. <laughs> I, like, I had to tell him he was a great guy. 
You could have written so, a letter uh, or an email later on. They handled me very well. A lot of dignity, a lot of, you know, this was right before our body cam stuff got ordered out. So everything was kind of okay. Um, so the delegate reached out to the state, right? And then the state sent a representative to my house to make sure I got on an airplane. He helped me pack. Um, so does the delegate take over and tell the others? The, the delegate, every, <laughs> every, everything that you taught us today, the other day about um, taking pictures of uh, insurance cards, driver's licenses, you know, stuff like that. Right. Getting all the insurance stuff set up. You know, he had me do all that with um, somebody. I don't, sure. I don't remember who I sent those text messages to. Hopefully, <laughs> but hopefully I sent the right number. Otherwise, somebody's got Apparently. a lot of information yeah. on it. But, but the sergeant and lieutenant just left and let they the delegate him? No, they, oh, no, they, they waited good. until I was in a car and on my way to the airport. Wow. I, they just wanted to make sure that. Yeah. That's good. Change his mind at the last minute. Yeah. yeah. Show up for work. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That could have been interesting. So, well, fortunately, that was my off weekend, so I, I wouldn't have to been work until a little bit later on. But, um, yeah, I almost caused a uh, an incident at the airport because my wife had called, and she's like, where are you at? I'm like, I'm at the airport. Where are you going? Who are you? Blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, I'm with, I don't know if I can use his name. Uh, we'll, we'll call him James. Okay. You know, I was... I'm with James. Who's James? You don't know a James? I don't know. So she's like, put him on the phone. So I was like, she wants to talk to you. (laughs) And this is your delegate? No, this is uh, some guy I've never met before. He's, uh, uh, he works with FHE. Oh, he's the transport. Uh, He's a transport. That's right. I forgot they have a transport out of, uh, there's so many from New Jersey that go down there. They do. That's right. Yeah. We have a representative in New Jersey who flies you to make sure that you're okay. Yep. Wow. Um, so yeah, make sure you don't get off at a stop somewhere <laughs> like some of mine have done. Yeah. Oh yeah. I had one get lost in Detroit in the middle of the night, calling me going gambling. He was headed to a casino and I'm like, now what do I do? You know, how do you send the police to find somebody? You don't even know where they are. So uh, I put her on the phone with James <laughs> and she hears James's voice and realizes that I'm with James mm-hmm. and she's like, what did you do? Where are you going? And so all these questions and he's like, I'm taking him down to Florida. He's going to a rehab program, blah, blah, blah. No, he's not. I'm like, she's like, yeah, he's going with me. <laughs> yeah, no. And then my wife is like, I'm, I'm coming. And so we almost had like, like, and he's like, do not talk to her anymore. Like you need, you need help and you get it, you know, do your thing. And then she's like, she's going off on her own because this is all like, she had no idea that yeah, any of this was blue. coming up. Yeah. So, you know, that um, sent her into a, yeah. a spiral too. Sure. And um, this is the day after you've basically let her have it for inviting you over. That was that morning. Oh, it was. So this that's is right. Okay. This is like maybe like four or five o'clock in the evening now. Okay. So only four hours have transpired. Now I'm at the airport and on my way to a rehab center in Florida, wow. which that was quick. That's yeah. a big change in a big hurry. A lot to absorb right. and figure out. And wow. So uh, in the process, I ended up, you know, losing my, uh, I didn't lose, but I, Got to leave my house with my wallet, so I didn't have my ID with me. So I'm trying to get through. Uh, yeah, no. <laughs> TSA yeah. with that, but they were letting me through because they have this list of questions. Like, I guess we're all in some database, oh, whatever. Sure. So they ask you know, like, what school does your daughter go to? So I said, what what what's the nearest intersection that that's at? So I'm answering all these questions. Really? And that's how they're gonna let me. That's how they. I was able to prove I am who I am. Never heard of anybody being able to, to clear yeah. it without I, ID. I, That's interesting. I think, I don't know if it was probably because of my situation I was in. They knew that I was going on this transport. Again, and, another God thing. Yeah. yeah. But James, his uh, boarding pass wouldn't upload. <laughs> <laughs> so long. So they were letting me through TSA. But they weren't letting They couldn't let James, James couldn't get through TSA. So now I'm on the other side. I'm causing a, a thing over here because I'm like, you better let him through. <laughs> uh, and you've known me for a week. You know, this is not like my personality. No, type it's thing. not. And uh, <laughs> so anyway, they rebook our flight for the next morning. 
So I get my, my, my roommate, you know, the guy who I rent from brings my, my wallet in, uh, in Newark. He, I get my ID, but then he, uh, so James gets new airplane tickets for, oh, uh, the next day. So now we're in a hotel room in Newark for the night. Um, Let's go have a drink. <laughs> well, I, that's why he's like, if this is what you need to calm down, then, you know, cause I'm already, I'm still drinking anyway. So it's not like, sure. I'm not in a detox yet. Well, he doesn't know if you're going to have. Right. Some kind of DTs or yeah. something. Either. Yeah. So yeah. He, he was kind of like, if this is what we need, I'm like, no, he goes, I, I said, I have respect for you. I'm not. So we went to a local restaurant that night and slept in Newark and then got on the plane first thing in the morning down to uh, Miami. So, yeah. Wow. So that was a trip. <laughs> and we, did, we didn't talk to the wife any in between. After the airport? Yeah. I, th I think just a couple text messages and like, but it was relatively calm. Um, well, no, it was, it was calm. I think we talked a little bit that night. Um, and then, you know, the next morning it was like, for me, it was more of the, holy crap, I'm actually here. Like, yeah, I can't, I'm, I'm actually going through with this. And like, so then my nerves are kicking in. Like I was ready to go last night. Right. But now some time had passed. Right. I'm like, oh, and you're sobering mm, up. And do I really need this? Yeah. And you wound up being in treatment there. How long? I, I checked in December 12th. And then I checked out the 23rd of January. So four weeks, four okay. or five weeks. I, I did a little bit of IOP down there when I was there. Okay. Yeah. So what would you tell officers listening to this who may be going, hmm, this is sounding a little bit like my story? I, I think if it's sounding like it's your story, it's your story. Yeah. Mm -hmm. You yeah. know, one, one of the things that, you know, I, I really want is I, I want to be able to take my, my story, my situation and my recovery. I'm, I, I, I think I'm at 426 odd days now, Good somewhere for around you. there. Congratulations. Yeah, congratulations. And if I can take stuff that I learned and the tools that were given to me and help somebody else. Sure. Uh, you know, with me retiring in a year, mm -hmm. I, I can, you know, this is what it, this is what it's all about right now. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. And, you know, for anybody out there really wondering, you know, one of the things I was talking to the stress coaches about in this training is, you know, it, the way I determine if somebody's got an addiction is does whatever it is control you or do you control it? And people can be addicted to a whole lot of stuff just because it's not listed in a DSM right. to be diagnosed doesn't mean um, there's not an addiction. We know for a fact there's an addiction to cell phones. There's an addiction to mm -hmm. the Internet. There's an addiction to a lot of stuff. Um, even as I was sharing with y'all the friend that I knew that who had a very serious addiction to exercise. It ran her whole life. It was, it was one of the saddest things I'd seen. But if you think you have that, don't hesitate to reach out to us at Under the Shield, and we'll give you our numbers and everything at the end um, because we have resources. Uh, we can put you in touch with Mike. If you want to talk to Mike, he can exactly. tell you all about the place he went because the reality is, is that's the program that we support. We would love to have other treatment centers around the country that we can also find out about. We're in the process of working on that. Um, but, you know, reach out to somebody, talk to somebody. Don't think this is just going to go away because it won't. No, it definitely won't go away. And so since you've been back, so, how so, things changed? So since I've been back, um, one thing I would like to, to say, and I didn't say this in the class, but I did in our small group mm -hmm. is just because you go away to rehab, and you're working on yourself doesn't mean that anything at home has changed exactly everything is still moving your work is still going your family's still going she's still paying the bills or he's still paying the bill like things are still happening whatever you left yep is still going on good and bad good right. and bad so and that is a concept that i shared with when i went back for my one year down in fhe mm -hmm. my wife didn't um really taken into consideration. I don't want, I, I was really proud of the fact that when I left rehab, I was like, I'm six weeks sober. And yes. she's like, no, you're not. Today's your first day because this is your first day that you're not in a controlled environment. True. True. So as much as I was like, <laughs> yeah, I got this. I'm, she's like, uh -uh. your wife said <laughs> to that bubble. No, no, no. <laughs> but she's right yes. in, a, in a sense. Yes. Right. I mean, yes. although I have, but there's no alcohol inside the rehab center. Right. Yeah. But, but life is starting all over again mm -hmm. when you get home. Sure. Right. Well, and just like our 
mutual friend that you met down there that was um, hoping to go through our stress coach certification, Jason. He didn't last 48 hours when he came back the first time around because, again, he was by himself. And now, you know, it's kind of like taking your teenager, you've kept them confined in your house mm -hmm. until they graduate high school, and then you drop them off in the middle of some major university. And it's like, oh, look at all these things I get right. to go do, <laughs> yeah. none of which are good. It, it was good to see Jason leave. I was happy for him, but I was so happy to see him come back. Yes. Yeah. You know, yeah. Those, hey, how are you? I'm, <laughs> well, I wish you well. Good luck in Arizona. <laughs> hey, welcome back to Florida, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> We've been waiting on you. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, so that was, it was, I'm glad that he um, was continuing. Yes. And he celebrated his one year too. One year the other night. Yeah. That was exciting. Y'all could be here yeah, it was and nice. celebrate with him. Out. and. Um, but you know, we want to make sure people understand too, that when you came back to work now, what, what was the attitude? Were there questions asked? What was, what was that like? So I'm me personally, I'm not a very social person at work. Okay. So when I'm not there, I don't think I'm really noticed that I'm not there kind of thing, but there were the rumor mill is, Hey, where did he go? What's going on? Like, yeah. So uh, I got everything from, I heard you went out on a wrist surgery. I heard, you know, this, I heard, I'm like, okay. So it, it took me some time to um, tell people. To own your story. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, it was just, and it was glazed over. It's like, hey, you know, you guys are going to be working with me this year. I just want to, and I only talked to my shift. Okay. I said, you know, just so you guys know, I want you to know you guys can trust me when I come back. You know, I'm, I'm. I'm mentally strong. I'm here and this and that. Cause I, I felt it was whether they cared or not cared. Right. To me, it was, it was bothering me because right. I didn't know what they're thinking sure. or if they're thinking sure. at all, but it, it was just eating on me. So I had to sit down and talk with them. Um, my command staff was very good with me. Um, I, I had to do, you know, my light duty time. I had, you know, make sure I was physically or mentally fit to come back. I went through the the testing, you know, the psychological testing again. When I was cleared for that, I had, you know, my my HR department wanted me to do the uh, 90 90. Um, they wanted to keep the AA, you know, mm -hmm. 90 days, 90 programs. Um, so I had to submit that to them. Um, so it took me, I'd say about, it was like four weeks after I got back that I was cleared uh, to go back to full duty. Um, my department, like I said, they supported me. Um, my captain at the time, asked me if I wanted to be the resiliency officer for the department, which I guess we can talk about in a little bit. Yeah. And um, he shared a story with me about, you know, some of um, things he knew about. Um, so it was, it was good to um, kind of be accepted back. Feeling supported. Right. Yeah. 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 And uh, again, <laughs> the Sergeant Lieutenant, what mm. what's this like the first time? You, hey guys, I'm back. So, <laughs> Man, I still think you're a great supervisor. <laughs> uh, so we're we're not it's, we're not um, working together anymore. Okay, uh, but um, we're just on on different sides of the week now. But when I do see him, or when I did see him when I came back, I I just said thank you so much. Like you know, and he's just like I'm glad that you reached out. Mm -hmm. and it hasn't really been spoken of. Wow, that's since. fantastic. Yeah. Um, he was, I, I, I was teaching a residency class the other day before I came down here, and he was in my class, so I kind of shared the story a little bit, and I just said there's an officer in here who saw me at my lowest, and we still didn't even talk about it. Like, he didn't come <laughs> up to me afterwards and say, hey, you know, it was not. And I raised his hand and go, that was me. No, it was, <laughs> like, it was just, just a conversation, it, you know, as so you share your story in these trainings that you're doing? Very little of it. Okay. Um, but I, I did, I, I talk about the alcoholism. I talk about, you know, moving out and how, you know, after I moved out and things like that. And you talk about treatment? I do. I talk about the treatment. Good. And, you know, one of the things I tell all of mine, I, I go, look, don't be ashamed of the addiction. Be proud of the recovery. Yeah. Because otherwise the addiction still has a hold on you. Right. Because most addicts don't recover so that's the part that you need to be proud of and tell your story don't let other people tell it when chris farrar came back after his nine months of craziness 
um, you know, that was one of the things I told him. There was there was doubt about him coming back to work. But I told him, I said, don't let somebody else tell it. You tell it. And I think that makes a big difference, too. If you're not telling it, people will make it up and come right. up with their own side. If you're telling it, um, it's one of the fastest ways to kind of shut people down. Absolutely. And, you know, I raised my children on the phrase, if you're going to do something, claim it. If you're not going to claim it, don't do it. And so <laughs> you got to claim it and then move on. So tell us about this resiliency program, because we've never heard that called out here, a resiliency officer. So I was talking to one of the guys in the class today, and he said it's kind of close to your SISM. SISM, okay. It, I think it's kind of okay. parallel to that. Because y'all don't do SISM I, yeah, or peer support? We, we, I guess I am kind of the peer support, if you if you say. Okay, I was uh, thinking this was something kind of in addition to that. No, okay. so I'm, I'm trying to kind of match. So the, these court, you're under the shield, is parallel with the resiliency. Okay. Um, so what resiliency is, is a mandated... A mental health awareness course that New Jersey is pushing for law enforcement. So everybody who's a sworn law enforcement officer with state, local, county, et cetera, they have to be um, signed off on this class. And it's a canned training. It, every resiliency officer teaching is teaching the same material. Correct. Yeah. Okay. So there's five resiliency officers in my department. We went to a training trainer class mm -hmm. and then we took that and we bring it into our department. And we're uh, teaching everybody about resiliency. So once everybody in my department is uh, trained, mm -hmm. which we have to be uh, signed off on by the end of this year, but it's going to be taught in academies from here on out. So new uh, new officers, when they come in, they don't have to go through the training, but they're going to want to know who their RPOs are. So you know, I'm one of the five in my department. So then you're going to be more of a reactive to situations or we can observe or if it's an uh, yeah so it's either way it's still reactive so even if i see something i can go up to somebody and say hey is everything okay and you know, just so you know just remind you the resiliency this is what you know so what resiliency is is a confidential person to talk to within your department but it doesn't have to be just your department so i'm on a new jersey call list okay so anybody of just pull out of county say cape may county can call anybody in, we'll say Essex County. Okay. And it doesn't have to be somebody that they know. It could be just going down a list and say, okay, I want to speak to this somebody. This one's far with, enough away. I think yeah, I want to talk yeah, to them. I want to talk to somebody with the last name of P. So they go to, uh, you know, and they find somebody. And so you don't, it's not, you know, it's my cell phone though. So it's going to be, your number is going to pop up. I'm So I'm going to have a phone number. And they can just say, they don't have to tell me who they are. Okay. Um, but I am a mandated reporter. Mm -hmm. So therefore, if you, the things that I have to talk about are self-harm, wanting to harm somebody else, or if they've committed a crime. Sure. Um, if it doesn't fall under those guidelines, I'm just a confidential source for somebody to talk to. I cannot be called into your internal affairs investigations. They can't say that, hey, I spoke to this guy. And then I can't get called in on anything. So, and you're not documenting anything or no. writing anything down. The only the only thing that's documented would be that if I'm working, mm -hmm. I'm unavailable for calls. So I have to put myself out on an RPO call. Okay. I put it into our CAD system, uh, right. computer dispatch, right? Uh, I put it into there that says that I'm on a CAD call or a uh, RPO call mm -hmm. and I'm unavailable. Does anybody keep even data on how many calls the resiliency officers get? I, I, I guess they can go back through the, the CAD call. So if they see an RPO call, then it would be, you know, pulled back on that. But if it happens when I'm at home. Right. Then you I you would, don't have to even fill out anything. No, I would just probably just Good. tell my department that, hey, I, I took an RPO call last okay. night. But I, it still doesn't get it. Like if I have put it into a computer system, it doesn't say that I spoke to Officer Jones in... Wherever. Whatever county. Okay. Interesting. Because um, I know there are there are some SISM peer support teams that will keep call out logs, not with, not so much with names and that kind of stuff, but just to show the teams are being used. Right. Yeah. I think that's basically what, why we have to create the, the computer calls just to show that we were sure. used for something. So how different do you find other than the mandated part, since our stress coaches aren't, and you're only mandated by New York, by New Jersey right. law, 
So again, anybody talking to you from any state other than New Jersey, which is do good. under the shield, you ain't telling nobody anything. Well, correct. And even you know somebody who calls in through yours, it doesn't like I don't know where they're calling. Right. They can be calling from Wyoming, and they sure. can tell me that they're in Tennessee. Sure. So, yeah. Sure. I don't know who anybody. Even would be. if you were to get somebody from New Jersey, chances are, unless they tell you, you're not going to know. Correct. Right. And if it's coming through your the program anyway, number. I'm I'm a stress coach at that point. I'm not an RPO. Yes. Right. Yes. So how different, other than that factor, do you find the programs now that you've completed the training and you now are a certified stress coach? Board certified. Board certified. That's right. Let's not leave that part out. (laughs) So like I said, I I think it's parallel. Mm -hmm. Um, You you talked about, you know, your garbage can, right? Yep. Uh, We used the the term duffel bag, you know, just picking up all kinds of your stresses throughout your life. And you need a a point in time where you're going to clean all that out. The backpack just gets heavier, 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 Mm -hmm. heavier. Whereas the trash can gets smellier, smellier, and smellier, right? (laughs) Yeah. Then makes a mess when you pick it up. Right. So, yeah, we kind of talked about that a little bit. And it talks about, you know, the growth mindset versus the fixed mindset where, you know, you know, the fixed mindset is you're not open to change or anything like that. And so we get into all that. And, uh, you know, active listening, you know, things. About the physiological stuff, though, that we taught you. Uh, we, we talk a little bit about, you know, the diet and the sleep. You know, those things are, are all in there. We don't get into vitamins. We don't get into supplements or anything like that. Um, you know, talk about, you know, what the food consumption, what you take in is what you're going to get out. Mm-hmm. So there's a lot of similar things. But um, I, I think the from somebody coming from recovery, somebody who's asking for help, mm-hmm. Going in knowing that it's a hundred percent confidential yes. is huge. Yes, and that's and that's what we're always talking. What's funny is the guys that will come, our gals that will come, and they're so paranoid even coming to the office. They want me to pull my car out so they can park in my garage, and then the next thing you know, they've come three or four times, and now they're running around their department going, <laughs> "Yeah, I got to see Susan every week and whatever." And but again, it's the fact that even though they tell people they're coming, there is nothing anybody can get. You, you know, you, hey chief, you can call me all day long. I don't know what you're talking about, unless you got audio and videotape. I have no idea. And at my age, I probably don't remember <laughs> what was said. So there's safety from a lot of perspectives here. Right. <laughs> so, um, but uh, you know, we're just excited to have you guys on board. All the new ones coming in, and um, I think. As this thing rolls out here in Arizona, boy, you know, there are nights I lie awake going, what have I done? (laughs) Um, But having y'all out in this program now that we can call on and I have all the faith in the world that y'all are going to do great and wonderful things. It's going to make this a whole lot easier. Yeah, it's going to help me a lot. (laughs) What you trying to say, Tom? Are you complaining? No, no, no. You can be replaced, and I know who's going to be. Hey, <laughs> I just want to congratulate you again on your recovery. Absolutely, thank you. Thank and you. for your four hundred and what? How many days? I, I I looked at it the other day. I think I meant like four twenty six, four twenty seven. Yeah, I mean that's fantastic. Yeah. Thank you. Yes, yeah, that's a lot of hard work went into that, and continuing. I'm sure. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah, it can be a struggle. Right. All the time, sometimes, and sometimes it's easier than others. But again, be proud of that recovery. Yeah. Somebody asked me, because uh, we, we talked about, we went out to dinner last night, we went to a local brew house, and they're like, how is that possible for you to do? <laughs> sure. And I said, it, it's it's not that, it's nothing for me. I said, the only thing I won't do is I won't go to a work Christmas party uh-huh. and I won't go to a retirement party. Because in, in my mind, so you're going there intentionally to drink and there's going to be a lot of people there and they're going to say, ah, just have one, yeah. just have one. And I don't sure. want to, I don't, I don't want to say I don't trust myself in that situation, but I don't want to be in that position. Right. So I know my limitations. That's the yeah. biggest thing is to know your limitations. Sure. I can go out to dinner. I can go in anywhere that serves and I'm okay. Well, I'm good okay. heavens. Cause out here, everything you walk into, there's going to be, yeah. You know, it's not like in the South where we have ABC stores. you got to be deliberate. <laughs> you can get beer and wine in a grocery store. But, you know, here, uh, for those people who don't live out here, you, you get it in gas stations. You yeah, can get it everywhere. every grocery store. Yeah, it's crazy. Walmart's packed with every brand of everything there is. <laughs> yeah, it's a one, truly a one-stop shop. Yeah. Um, you, can't, you can't hide from it. You, it's a conscious decision on your quality of life and what you want to do. And But, again— no point in putting yourself in places and 
and things that you know could be more difficult for you. Right. But you don't run hide from it either. Yeah. So, yeah. So we're just thrilled to have you on board and that you would agree to do the podcast after hanging out with us. <laughs> Me primarily because you were out doing stupid stuff. Yeah, I was having fun. <laughs> <laughs> Um, but again, welcome to the family. Thank you. And on board, and we're just excited about everything going on, and that you would come all the way from New Jersey to this horrible environment we have <laughs> forced them to have to live in for a whole week. Yeah, sunshine, I 70, know. 80 degree yeah, weather. It really, at night, it's in the, what, 50s, yeah. upper 40s. Yeah, it sucks. It's yeah. bad, isn't it? Nice, beautiful mountain views in the background. Right. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it's horrible. Yeah, <laughs> I, I should be paying them to come down here, I guess. But but anyway, we hope you have a safe travel back home. Thank you. And you have not heard the last of us, that's for sure. I hope not. Well, definitely not. I, I definitely you, not. Yeah. Yes. No, we're going to probably be spending more time together than you even thought possible. <laughs> <laughs> and hopefully you can get us up in the New Jersey area to do some training. Um, if nothing else, they need to hear this Southern voice tell them what's wrong with them. And, there you go. And what they need to do and how they need to fix it. <laughs> Absolutely. So uh, anyway, good. Well, thank you again. Listen uh, to our audience. We want to say thank you for being faithful and tuning in every week, even though we never know what's going to be next. Although we can tell them this time what's going to yeah. be next time. Yeah, we actually know. Yeah, because we have another stress coach from another part of the world. Yep. A uh, little more in Mike's direction, but... Uh, we want to thank you for the sacrifices all of you make out there, especially your families, too. They make tremendous sacrifices. And uh, please keep Phoenix Police Department in your prayers. We had five shot this morning. Yes. Um, all will recover. Uh, but again, my concern whenever I hear the news report, that is how, how many are going to have the end of their career because right. of this. And uh, do have one that was critical, but the word is, is he will recover. Uh, but please keep them and their families in your prayers. And we will update you um, on any future podcast about how they're doing. And we hope you'll tune in to us again. Our 855 number is 855-889-2348. And my cell number is 334-324-3570. If you call the 855 number and hit extension 1, we will not have your contact number, whatever stress coach it winds up with. Um, we have it set up that way for anonymity. So if you're talking to us and you get disconnected, you'll have to call us back. You want to share your cell number? Yes, my cell phone number is 480-861-6574. And just remember, it's not a sign of weakness to reach out for help. That's that's the maybe the toughest thing you can do, but that man, that's that's strength right there to reach out and say, I'm hurting, I'm broken, and I yes. need I need someone to help. And we are honored when people yes. do trust us and call, and we will never take that lightly. In fact, we've been doing it 30 years. Tells you we have not breached confidentiality, nor will we. And that's why we set everything up the way we do. Families, you too can call in. This is not. Uh, officers don't operate in a bubble no. or a vacuum. You're a part of this yeah. lifestyle, and we encourage you to call us as well. So God bless each of you. God bless this country, and uh, we certainly need those blessings right now. There's <laughs> so much going on. Yes, so thank you, and uh, stay tuned for next week, and we'll everybody yeah, we're have, have a We're going to have a retired trooper out of Massachusetts. Yeah. Yes. So next week, join us again. Bye.